Good afternoon. Um, this is Cindy McGurl for Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet. And today I have a special show. I'm going to have um, pianist Anat Fort on, and we're going to feature her new album, Color. Um, I've had Anat on the show a couple of times before, and she just released this new album on Sunnyside Records. Um, with her trio with um, Gary Wang and uh, Roland Schneider. And um, let's see if we can get, make sure this is all working. Anat, do you want to say hello? Hello. Okay, let me, um, so I'm going to play the opening song from Color, and then Anat and I are going to make sure this is working right.
Okay, um, I'm back and I have a knot here on the, um, on the phone. And she is currently in Israel. Are you in Tel Aviv or not? Or? I am, yes. Um, in hot Tel Aviv. So um, I also want to tell our listeners a little bit about um, your background with um, Paul Modian and um, how that brings you to be on Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet. Um, because you played, um, Paul played on one of on your first album for ECM, a long story. And um, after after that, um, I would I would say you two became friends. Would you agree? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> he played with me also a couple more times in New York. Yeah. Um, in fact. I was uh, lucky to play with him on the last gig that he's played. Yeah, and um, I've played the, from that gig um, on, when you were on the show before. And um, what do you suggest we put on for um, a, the second cut from Color? What would you like us to play? Um, actually, why don't we go with the second cut on the album? Sort okay. Of. Thank you. 
That was a not for it song, sort of, from her new album, Color. Um, okay. Um, so Anat and I were just talking about Ed Schuler, And um, Anat, you said that Ed introduced you to Paul. Yes, he did. Um, I played with Ed um, with Ayala Rose Gottlieb and in some other situations, and I knew that he played with Paul, and one day I actually dared ask him, you know, like if he could... What, what were the odds that Paul would agree to do something with me? And he, he made the contact. He actually was the one that, um, you know, made it happen. Yeah, so that's pretty interesting. And uh, um, I wanted to say um, that the song, um, that first song on your album, I had it... Um, in my um, CD player, and I also had a tape in there that I was listening to um, that was a 1975 recording that Paul had made when he was on tour with Keith Jarrett in Japan. And it's mostly like backroom chatter, but there's some music on it. And, um, and so, but when your CD came on, I, just for a second, I was like, "What is that? Is that is that Keith? You know?" <laughs> and um, thank you. <laughs> and I just, um, yeah. I mean, I hope you take it as a compliment. I <laughs> thank you. Of and course. that opening, there's some, there's something about his influence that really um, I thought was really strong. And um, and it just, it was funny that I happened to have that, you know, that other CD in there at the same time. So. Yes, and it's also that connection, you know, because Keith is a huge influence, and Paul was a huge influence, and the fact that, you know, Paul played with Keith, it's like the link (laughs) goes on. It's like the fact that Paul played with Monk, you know. I never met Monk, but I could feel these people through his playing, so it was very, very meaningful for me. Yeah, yeah, um, and it, I never, um, I don't know, just listening to all the stuff that I've been listening to, I, I just didn't really have a knowledge of, um, of jazz like I'm getting, <laughs> you know, like I knew, I knew Keith, and I listened, you know, I had the Colton concert, and I knew Paul played with him, and had a bunch of their albums, and, um, but I feel like, you know, a few years ago, I I never would have been able to recognize, you know, the, <laughs> that that sounded like Keith, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, that band, uh, especially the quartet with Dewey, um, is one of my favorite bands always. And I know that for a lot of musicians, um, my generation and even the older guys like Lovano and Frizzell, it's the same thing. It's, it was the band and it's funny how um you know sometimes i'll play a track for my students and they're like is that keith jared i mean you know like people don't don't know this band as much as they should i feel Uh so um it's always really nice to talk about it and to hear it and to you know give it life in the world (laughs) yeah 
Yeah. Um, so I printed out um, your schedule mm -hmm. um, for when you come to the U.S., um, which is, you said you're um, arriving on July 16th. Um, so, and you're playing on the 17th at Birdland um, right. in, in New York City. And you're right. having a CD release party there, which is really great. Basically, uh, yeah. We're going to have two sets that night. Um, so this will, this will be our um, official New York City release party. Uh, the CD was released in April, but, you know, it's since we both, or the three of us live in three different continents, it's... Um, Sometimes it takes time to get together, um, and the guys were over here in Israel before, and now we're coming to New York, and we're going to be in Europe a bit later. But our concerts, we have a couple of concerts after the New York uh, date. We have Andy Musique in Baltimore on the 19th, uh -huh. um, and then we have a private concert in Pennsylvania, and then we're playing at the Falcon in Marlboro, New York, on the 21st. Is that upstate New York? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh, that's great. And um, and possibly maybe next year we're going to get you up to Portland. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're hoping. Yeah. We, we've um, been talking about it, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I brought some other um, of your, all the CDs of yours that I have. Um, do you have us maybe a suggestion of what we could play next, or you, do you want to stick with the new album? Or no, let's play a track from a long story. I think it's appropriate now. Okay. <laughs> with Paul and Ed Schuler. <laughs> yeah. Maybe and, with Perry and, Robinson. And Perry Robinson too. Away, is, not yeah. Long ago, yeah. What song would you suggest then? <laughs> What's your favorite? Do you remember? It's been a long time, probably, since you listened um, to a long story. Yeah, I actually I listened to this fairly often. I really like it, um, <laughs> but I'm not that. I just right. I listen. I like to listen to the whole thing, so I don't. Uh, <laughs> yes, people don't do that these days, yeah. right? It's like yeah. yeah it's, what's the track? Yeah, um, it might be the, the, the just now that opening one. Mm -hmm is really nice. Um, okay, yeah. that's a trio. Okay, so this is just now. Thank you. 
Okay, um, we're back with Anat Fort, uh, Israeli pianist and um, who played with Palmodian and recently released an album called Color on Sunnyside Records. Is that the first time you um, worked with Sunnyside, Anat? It is. Mm -hmm. It is. Um, and did you record it in New York? or? No, we actually recorded it um, in Berlin. We were on tour uh, about a year ago in Europe, and we had a few days off and decided to um, just go into the studio and, you know, make, make a good use out of those days off. Uh -huh. <laughs> so we did it. I mixed it in New York, though. Mixed and mastered it in New York. Yeah. And um, and we, I was just um, asking you if you wanted to just maybe say a few words about how you approach comp composing music. Um, did did you um, when you played with Paul or talked to Paul? Do do you feel like you have some similarities in the way you compose, or do you not really know about that? Or in the, well, I actually think we do. Um but I think it's different because Paul, I think, also composed on the piano. And, but his main instrument was not piano, although he could play the piano. Um, so for me, it's, it's actually, when I compose, it's not always an advantage that I'm a piano player. Uh, because the tricky thing is, you know, not necessarily to go to the places that you're familiar with, especially when you're writing something new, you know, you want to have some some new territory to explore, so to speak. So um, for me, a lot of times I do my writing away from the piano, or at least some of it. It's actually kind of a combined process where I, you know, spend some time on the couch, like daydreaming and hearing the music in my head or washing dishes, or walking in the park, or, you know, doing any cooking, any any other of life's activity to kind of let it in in a way that won't be necessarily like playing it on the piano. And a lot of times I'll then go to the piano, try some things out, see what I like. Maybe I heard something, and when I came to the piano, something else came out, maybe I like that better, you know, it's just kind of a trial and error, and then I go back to not being by the piano, and then I go back to the piano, so I think, you know, from what I heard, Paul had some some stuff like that going on as well, I think he sometimes had some melodies in his head, but a lot of times he just came up with stuff on the piano, but because it wasn't his main instrument, you know, maybe it was sort of like the way it is for me without it, <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think it does. Um, he Paul, he never thought of himself as a very good pianist, and um, and and but I I did discover these practice tapes. Um, have you heard right. them? That where he yes. plays the piano, mm -hmm. and. Um, and so it, it's pretty interesting, and he he, you know, he's plays with such high level pianists, or he did play with such high level pianists that, yeah, his playing isn't up to their, uh, you know, their quality. 
Um, but there's something about it that uh, he kind of, I don't know. It, it's all, I think it, to me, I feel like there's this Middle Eastern connection between the two of you and your approach to music. Um, and there's sort of a, something in the background that just is a Middle Eastern influence just from, I don't know, from, you know, you growing up in Israel and Paul growing up listening to, um, you know, traditional and um, what was contemporary at the time, Middle Eastern mm -hmm. music. Um, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. I've been, um, as I was telling you before, going over the books, the wonderful books that you put out of his music, you know, and um, just getting into the tunes through his you know, handwriting, his, his handwritten tunes. And, um, yeah, I, I hear a lot of that even more than I've heard before, like those Middle Eastern influences that you're talking about. Because sometimes, you know, when you hear a track, you, you, you know, obviously you hear the interpretation of it in the moment that it's recorded, whether it's live or studio. But then, you know, when you actually see the music and you see what the composer had in mind um, sometimes you know it becomes a whole other thing and um, I've, I've been you know checking out some of that and uh, definitely I feel like what you're saying that there is um, a lot of the same somehow background although it's not really the same because Paul grew up in the States but the sounds that you hear and you know what you soak in um, is a similar is a similar thing for us. Yeah, it's kind of it's a feeling I think that that comes out um, in the music. That I mean, I I grew up listening to Armenian and music too, so um, is something that I really relate to in it. Um, what would you say um, for your new album? Is there a song? that you think has the um, most Middle Eastern sound to it, maybe? Yeah, there is. And it's very interesting, you know. Um, there is a tune on the record called The Limp, which we can probably play next. And okay. um, by the way, that song has a beautiful video clip um, that was... Um, made by one of my students here. She's a wonderful filmmaker and student um, and a pianist. Um, Sophie Dory is her name. And um, that tune, it's funny because to me, it's a very Middle Eastern sounding tune, but um, I know, and, and I've been hearing a lot of responses to it being very bluesy, which, you know, is very... Um, I can hear what people are talking about, but to me, like, I, I, I feel something totally different about it. Not that the Middle East and the blues, <laughs> or the, you know, or the, the sound of the blues coming from the U.S. are that different, but I, I never really thought about it that way. So maybe we can li uh, play it and listen to, um, to those differences or similarities and let the people decide what they think. Okay, yeah, so this is um, The Limp, 
And uh, again, we're hearing Anat Fort's um, new album on Sunnyside Records with Gary Wang and Roland Schneider. And this is The Limp.
Okay, um, we're back with Anat Fort, and um, we just heard the limp. So did I see something about that being referenced as a waltz or something, or a dance tune? Mm. Yeah, probably. Yeah, people have been writing about that, all yeah. kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And, but, um, but you didn't see it that way. No, I didn't. You yeah. know, um, I think the person who actually gave it its name was Ed Schuler. <laughs> Speaking of Ed Schuler, oh. he said it sounded like a big animal that limps. Uh-huh. Um, but no, I never thought of it that way. No, I just heard uh, this bass line and I heard this melody and there were they sounded like I have a couple of tunes that to me sound more Middle Eastern than others uh, or the Middle Eastern influence is more clear than on other tunes but mm-hmm. um and this is definitely one of them but um but when people started saying that it was a very bluesy kind of tune I, I listened to it again and I thought okay yeah I can totally hear that so I don't know if it's the interpretation or uh, the blue notes or or what or the feeling, but it's just uh, I can definitely, you know, relate to it that way now. Yeah. Um, while we were talking off air, I think I'll I'll tell that little story about Paul, um, about how I um, went to a concert where there was an oud player, and I was really excited about it because I love the oud. And he did a workshop before the concert. And so I went to it, even though I'm not a musician, just because I was curious about it. And um, so I I kind of sat pretty silently because I didn't, you know, feel like I had the knowledge to, you know, say anything. <laughs> and, I, and I kept filing away all these questions in the back of my mind. Um, and I was like, I'm going to call Uncle Paul tomorrow and ask him what, you know, these questions about, technical questions about the music, Middle Eastern music and um, and the oud. And, um, and I called him up and, and, and he was like, well, those are really good questions, but I don't know the answers at all. <laughs> you should have asked the oud player. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he was, I think he liked Middle Eastern music and he was, you know, he was very interested in hearing, um, especially old, old music, um, yeah. like uh, Komitas and things he collected and that kind of stuff, but he didn't really have a knowledge of, uh, of the workings of Middle Eastern music, which I think in general, right, it's that you have a huge you have a lot more possibilities than Western music. Would you say that's true? Um, well, I'm not an expert either. Yeah. Because, you know, I didn't, although I grew up in Israel, which is the Middle East, um, I didn't grow up, you know, only on that and definitely not even mainly on that. So it's, it's around, you know, it's, it's, it's out there. But, again, also I'm not an expert. Um, And regarding the possibilities, I think it's just a different approach. So you can say, I mean, in some ways maybe, but in some other ways not so much. So, for example, 
Western music has a very, um, you know, especially jazz, has a very developed harmonic um, language, or basically the, the, the whole concept of harmony um, is very advanced in this type of music, Western music and uh, jazz especially. And to my understanding, in uh, in Eastern music in general, Middle Eastern also, it's, uh, it's not so much because um, usually you have most of the instruments playing in unison, um, although that type of unison is, is not an exact unison. It's like a very kind of moving unison, but it's you don't hear um, so much harmony in that type of music as you do in Western. So there's maybe it's more advanced rhythmically, um, melodically in some ways, in the modes and everything, but you know, it's just it's just different. It's a different approach. So I think that's probably the the way to look at it. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, that ma- well that makes sense. Yeah. So would you say that? Um, how did you first get interested in jazz? Then, like, um, do you remember? <laughs> do I remember? I mean, I remember that my parents actually had some jazz records at home, and. I remember checking them out, but and I liked them, but I never really got, you know, too into them. So it wasn't like that I heard it at home and I thought, wow, you know, this is great. But it was around, you know, it was something that I've heard. And um, I think it was more like, um, I mean, because I've always improvised. I had a wonderful teacher since I was very young. Um, who kind of opened the door um, to the creative world for me. And um, so even when I was studying classical piano, which was, you know, since I was five or six, I've always improvised. And, uh, you know, most of my teachers after that one, they never really got it, you know, because they were classically oriented and... um, not so much into improvisation or not not really knowing you know how to how to relate to it so i found myself doing it on my own and not really making the connection between that and and jazz you know because the type of jazz that i heard was very specific and the type of stuff i was improvising was totally different mm-hmm. So it took a while for that to kind of come together, and um, when I was about to quit my classical piano studies, I was just looking for something else, you know, and uh, trying to see if, you know, more jazz, more pop, more, you know, I just was like looking for other things and um, to expand my knowledge, and and then um, at some point, after a couple of um, you know, uh, incidents with teachers who were not so great. I found a great teacher, and then, you know, a couple months into that, I was like, wow, this is what I want to do with my life. So, you know, it and took how, a while. How old were you then at that point? I was probably about 19. I was in the Army, and uh-huh. um, I got very, very into it, you know, at that time, you know. 
so I was basically spending my day um, doing my army service and then coming home and just practicing until I went to bed. And and that was like the first time in my life that I seriously realized that I wanted to do music because it was always there, you know, like I said, from when I was very young. But I never was so into doing it, you know, than when I found out that, you know, there's a whole world of people who improvise, you know, like I was doing a lot. And uh, there's a lot of music that I never heard before and I all, all of a sudden got really into. And a lot of it was was Paul <laughs> mm-hmm. right from the beginning, whether it's like with Bill Evans or with Keith and uh, and a lot of other projects as well. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Um, we've got to go to a top-of-the-hour announcement. So um, if you want to just hang on for a few minutes, we'll be back. Jazz pianist Anat Fort, who's currently um, speaking to us from Israel. Um, but before we get back to the interview, I want to thank my sponsors um, the Dowling Walsh Gallery, Rockport Automotive, and the Curator for helping to bring the show on the air here at Community Radio WRFR 93.3 FM. Um, so, Anat, you said we should play next. <laughs> I'm going to let you say it. Tira ta tira ta ta. Tira ta tira ta ta. Yeah. Yeah. Did I get it? I I always I stumble over words. I I've never been very good at it. And I always I know I always mispronounce stuff. It's it's kind of embarrassing, but I just but admit it. It's not a word. <laughs> it's not a word. Yeah. Tell no. us what it is. <laughs> well, it's just the sound of the the first phrase that basically um, repeats in the tune like a motif. It's, um, well, I, I want to say you'll hear it, but let me just say first that, you know, I was playing this for a while with the trio and also with uh, Gianluigi Trovesi, who's on my, um, uh, the, on the recording I made before this for ECM on bird watching, And uh, we played this tune with him and, that tune at that time didn't have a name, and everybody was, like, making up some words in their own language to that phrase, tirata tirata because it's, like, a, a very catchy kind of phrase. So we had this phrase in Italian and German and Chinese, English, Hebrew. I mean, it just was, it had a lot of different names. And at the end, like, nothing stuck, you know. I, I just felt like... The tune is that phrase, and that phrase is tirata tirata ta. So that's the name. Okay, so here it is.
get it mixed up and if <laughs> and um and and the name of that song is palmodian and anat do you want to say a little bit about um how you came to title that song palmodian <laughs> sure um well when it was uh paul's 75th birthday um they had a big celebration for him at the Vanguard, and um, ECM contacted me, and they invited me, and they also invited me to write. You know, they had a book uh, made up for Paul with all, you know, people writing um, notes or putting cards in or longer letters for Paul. Yeah, and, I, ha uh, I have that I book. <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> So you have the original <laughs> tune in there because I thought, huh, okay, I can write something for Paul, but 
it, it could be words, but it better be music. Ah. <laughs> so this was um, the inspiration for that. I just kind of try to put um, my feelings or my idea of Paul into this music, and um, that was my, uh, you know, greeting or um, or blessing or <laughs> or those words in music for him, and it was funny because, um, you know, I saw him a bit later, you know, after the it was given to him, and I asked him about it. I said, you know, did you see that tune? And he said, yeah. I said, did you try to play it? You know, because I was hoping that he would. And he said, yeah, you know, I tried to play it on the piano, but I wasn't really feeling it. Uh-huh. <laughs> So I thought, okay, I really had a guitar in mind for you to play this with. And he said, oh, okay. And then, I don't know, he may have tried it, but I'm not sure. But then he played it with me. It's actually um, on, on that last gig that he played with me, we, we played that tune. Oh, nice. And so, yeah. yeah. I think it's on YouTube, actually. I think I posted it. But, um, yeah, that's the the story of that. Of that tune, and it's on, and and if it's on that record twice, there's a big, big like an opener and a closer of the record. Yeah, yeah. I want to ask you about that. Paul did that a lot too, where the same tune opened, opens the record and also ends it. And yeah, mm-hmm. it is like bookends. I mean, is that literally what you see it as? As or do you feel like it somehow ties it together? Or? Um. I feel like, uh, you know, every record, although, like we said before, it's hard to think about it like that these days where people are just most of the time hearing one track, you know. But as an old-fashioned musician um, and an older musician, I still see a record as a as a story, you know, like as a, as a complete story being told. So... Um, I like to to weave in, you know, I I like to make the connection uh, between each track, not only the beginning and the end, but also uh, how it works out in the middle. And I love to um, to do it, you know, more than one version of a tune. I have it pretty much on every record I've ever made, I think, um, including on that last one on color. Mm-hmm. Um, and on this, the a long story, the record uh, that Paul played on, we have this tune just now appears three times. It's like in a solo version, a trio version, and a quartet version. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's sort of like, you know, is the story of the record. Yeah. So yeah, I like that a lot too. It's I think it's it's very cool to hear. Yeah. Um, you know, things at least twice in different ways. Yeah, um, you know, and we were talking about um, Paul Lichter um, in Portland, who um, organizes a lot of jazz concerts, and um, just how old school he is. Um, I ran into him. I actually, I, I saw him. I went to Portland to hear uh, Tim Byrne came with Dave Torn, and uh, yeah, I don't know if you can really call it jazz, but <laughs> have you heard them? <laughs> It, yeah. it was great. It was great, but wow, it was really, really loud. It, it was like a, uh-huh. it, it was like a, 
improvised rock concert, you know. Yeah. But, um, it, yeah. it was fun. But um, I saw Paul there and um, and mentioned that um, you might like to come and play when you come to the U.S., play in Portland. And um, so you guys connected and... Um, and so, but but tell us, tell the audience what you were telling me about what how he responded. <laughs> well, I was told that he was an old-fashioned guy by not only by you but another uh, person who um, you know I asked about him, and he said, "Yeah, there's no email. You know, you have to call." And at first, I was like, "Ah, you know, nah." <laughs> and then I, I did, and he was super nice, and he really wanted us to come, but it didn't work out. Um, the dates didn't work out, unfortunately. Yeah. But, you know, he was so um, informed of the music and so uh, into it, and I really felt that I wanted him to hear the new recording, and I knew that, you know, I have to send him a record, so I did. And um, and then I got a thank you letter, a handwritten thank you letter from him in the mail a few weeks later and he was just uh, so nice and thanking me for it and writing his impressions of the music and even of the liner notes that were written in and it was really special um, yeah he's a, he's a, so nice I, I really like him a lot and uh, yeah his eyes lit up when I mentioned your name he knew your music right away <laughs> well I hope we can uh, these see those eyes exchange those looks in person once <laughs> yeah yeah so is coming to the u.s in the summer do you try to do that every year um yeah for the most part i try to come even twice a year um and sometimes it's more a performing situation and sometimes it's recording or uh just uh you know playing a lot of sessions with my friends in New York, I still feel that New York is my artistic home, and coming to, to to play with people and to see a lot of live music is really important for me. And um, you lived in, how long did you live in New York for? I mean, you lived there for quite a while, right? Yeah, I lived in the States for 17 years. Yeah. So the first four years I was going to school in New Jersey at William Patterson, and the rest of it was all in Brooklyn. Um, okay, so I have this um, CD that you sent me um, live at the Cornelia Street Cafe, September 2011, um, which um, was the last time Paul played live, um, mm -hmm. which is pretty amazing. And uh, and he when he he wasn't feeling well. Um, you know, all throughout that summer, and um, and he told me that the, the, you know, playing the music was all that, you know, that's the only time he felt good when he was playing music. And um, so, what should what should we play? Do you, do you remember what's on here? Do you want me to read you some of the titles? It's <laughs> and Gary Wang is um, on bass, double bass, I believe. Right. Yeah. Right. Um. There's not the perfect storm, maybe. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Okay. 
okay. Um, that was not the perfect storm from the um, very last live performance that Paul Modian played with Anat Fort on piano um, and Gary Wang on double bass. Um, and that was at the Cornelia Street Cafe in New York City, September 2011, Not the Perfect Storm. Um, so Anat, I want to um, thank you for taking the time to come on the show and uh, tell us about uh, your music and um, anyone in the New York area who get, gets to see you. They're very lucky. <laughs> um, Thank you for having me as always. Oh, you're very welcome. And So we're going to um, end the show with a song called Heal And um, from Anat's new album, Color. Do you have anything you want to say anything about this song, Anat, or? Sure. It's um, basically two songs put together. Um, another thing with names, it's it's two songs that I never really played together until we were touring. And one day, uh, just a couple couple nights before we actually uh, went into the studio and made this record on a gig, I sort of heard them kind of play together and we tried it and it really worked so that first one is is called heal and the second one never quite had a name i have a thing with names you know sometimes they just don't fit so it's better not to call a tune anything until the right name comes to it uh-huh. so um so that other tune didn't really have a, an official name um but uh, when I put them together, I didn't have to worry about it. So uh-huh. <laughs> I just called it heal and dot, dot, dot. <laughs> so that's that. But it's, uh, it's something that I felt was a good closer for the record and maybe for this, uh, this appearance on the show for me yeah. as well. Oh, great. Well, thank you again, Anat. And, uh, thank you. I'll keep you on the phone for another minute while we start.